As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! Welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. Today, my guest is a man who does a little bit of everything. He's a dancer, teacher, writer, actor. Please welcome to the show, Chip Sebastian. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. I'm really glad to be here, man. I like your show. It's fun. Hey, I appreciate that. It means a lot, man. So I know you're currently working on a new short film. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, it's it's a short film that I wrote. Um, right now, it's called Per Annum, as in like, you know, every year per annum. And uh, it's a film that we're doing here in Lexington. Yeah, I've got an uh, old friend of mine, Fred Zieglin, who's um, been an actor here forever and ever alongside me. And then um, uh, Don Samandel, who lives here in Lexington. And Don, I mean, Don has a lot of experience. I mean, he worked with uh, Betty Davis, uh, worked with, uh, I, I don't know how many uh, Oliver Stone movies he worked on. I mean, I know he worked on uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just worked with a lot of people and, and he's a good guy. But anyway, we, you know, we're kind of like all getting older and all that. And we're just like, man, let's just do something fun, you know, instead of another diaper commercial or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, you know, I wrote the script and, and we've all been kind of putting in on it and rehashing it and, and, uh, yeah, it's a little serial killer piece, you know, it's a little different than your average fair, you know, it's not like a criminal minds episode or something. And, um, but I've just been having a ball, man. We, we've, uh, we shot it out at a local cemetery here the first day. We've got a couple more days to shoot and, and, uh, Don will probably cut it, uh, and uh and then i've got uh, this friend of mine trip bratton yeah for your viewers i highly recommend checking out any of these guys uh, trip bratton two peas trip awesome music phenomenal he, te- he teaches at a, uh, a college in berea kentucky and he's just unreal but anyway so that that's what's happening it's it's uh, great to have a lot of people working on it who have so much experience and like i said you know it's Things are a little different, you know, at 50, you know, you're just like, let's just have some fun, man. You know, there you go. it's like, you know, I'm not trying to be, or, you know, or I don't feel okay about myself. I'm 20 years old. Oh God. <laughs> you know, let, let me prove myself constantly. You know, you know, we all know that guy. Right. So, but uh, uh. anyway, we've been having a lot of fun. So yeah. Thank you for letting me mention it on here though. And, and it'll, it'll probably, um, be put on not probably it will be put on youtube uh maybe on vimeo and we'll certainly shop it around to some of the short film festivals uh, that'll be coming up so oh and my wife astrid is in it too and can't forget to mention my wife uh she's actually in germany right now visiting her dad but she um uh she plays a a cia or, or a sort of special agent type and we actually looked at some of the footage today that we had shot and boy, she's, she's in the role. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ready to draw the gun and, you know, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, it's, it's going to be good, man. I, I hope um, maybe it, you know, after it's out, you know, I could 
swing it by the show or something or just drop you a link to it or something like that and you know and uh you know you could have a look at it and see what oh, you yeah, think absolutely absolutely yeah all right so you you have brought me i want this is one of the reasons why i do the show it, it gives me the reason to watch movies i haven't seen before okay and so you brought me a movie i haven't seen before and it's one of a filmmaker that i am getting closer to going down that rabbit hole anyway because i'm in the process of finishing all the twin peaks and then i'm just gonna dive into the oh. whole filmography well what a so, great place to be man <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're going to one of, uh, i don't know probably his third film feature film maybe but we're going back to 1984 david lynch's dune dino de Laurentiis presents dune <laughs> a world where the mighty the mad. All I can see is an Atreides that I want to kill. And the magical. The sleeper has awakened! Will have their final battle. A world called Dune. Long live the fighters! Dune, rated PG 13. Starts Friday at select theaters. All right, so when did you first see this? Um, in 1984. I, oh, wow. Yeah, actually. The way it happened for me with Dune was um, my mom would take me to PG movies from when I was very young. See, back then, um, like they didn't institute the PG-13 thing until somewhere in like the, the mid 80s, somewhere in there. And, uh, and there were R ratings and X ratings occasionally. But the thing is, is people would sneak their kids in or let them go in all the time. It just wasn't patrolled as much. You know what I mean? Right. And so when Dune came out in 84, I was very deep into comic books. And uh, there was a wonderful place here in town called uh, the Comic Connection. Uh, you know, back in the days when you couldn't get them online or any of that. I mean, you, you went in. I mean, this place smelled like musty old pulp. You know, oh. <laughs> you'd go in and you'd open up the bags and be like, oh man, it's so badass, you know, and, you know, I'd be like trying to save up money for, you know, the next X-Men copy or whatever, you know. Anyway, I was in there and they had a little thing about Dune. I, I had no idea what Dune was. And um, so I was like, man, this looks really cool. And at one of our local malls, uh, Turfland Mall, which is no longer here, and, uh, and, the, and the two men who ran Comic Connection no longer with us, uh, Earl Boggs and Bill Click. They were great guys. They had, they had um, at Turflin Mall, um, an opening of Dune. And uh, back then, you know, of course, uh, you, you know, you wouldn't know how a film was uh, for quite a while. You know, it used to be many years ago that when a blockbuster or a big budget film came out, which Dune certainly qualifies for. It was like about a $46 million budget in 84. Oh, wow, that's, yeah. That, that's kind of like, you know, probably 200 plus million by today's <laughs> standards. But when it came out, it was predicted to be a huge monster runaway hit. Some of it was because Lynch was so hot. You know, he had won an Oscar for The Elephant Man. Right. You know, and, and Eraserhead, was really more of a cult thing already. You know, it, it wasn't like you'd take it, you know, the family out for it or something, but you, 
<laughs> yeah, no, no. But, but it was definitely uh, very well known in, in uh, sort of cult film circles. And so um, I saw this thing at the Comic Connection and I, I told my mom I really wanted to go. She dropped me off. And I mean, I, I so, so, so wish I still had this thing. But when I went into the, the theater, they had this, uh, it was like just a sheet, like an eight and a half by 11. But it was, it was kind of like a, um, it, it had uh, like a plastic sheeting on it, you oh, know, okay. almost like a, not like regular paper, but like it had been coated and it, and it was gray and it had listed on it all of the characters in Dune and then said who they were and, you know, and so you'd have like, you know, Baron Harkonnen, you know, and, and uh, Paul Atreides and, you know, and, uh, you know, you had all of them listed. And I looked at this thing. I was like, man, what, wow, this is a new thing. What the hell is this? You know, and, but what it was, they were really trying to lay it out for you, like this thing you were getting ready to get hit with, because there's just so many characters. I mean, there's a lot to take in. And uh, of course, the film of Dune was kind of a compression of the uh, mainly first three books that Herbert had written right and um so it was really way more expansive than the film was even you know the, the, the universe of it i mean okay but it was still a lot for people to take in i mean it was kind of like you know if you saw you know all three of the first three star wars movies kind of <laughs> you know right together, right and so uh but i looked at this thing and i was like i don't know what the hell this means you know <laughs> so but then you know when i saw the film um man, I walked out of the theater and I was just like, God, man, I'm just like, I don't know, that hit something deep in me, man. It really did. Now, you know, it's one of those movies where, you know, you know, you look at it 30, how many years later, and uh, as an adult, and you're kind of like, the hell was I thinking, you know? <laughs> you know, because it was just, you know, it's cheesy, you know? But we all love cheese, you know? And, uh, and when it's good cheese, you know we don't want crap you know but when it's good cheese it's good cheese and dune still really is some really good cheese you know but um i absolutely loved it and i remember um uh we had our first uh, vhs player um my dad was a, a radio and tv repairman so we we had like all kinds of electronic stuff we had cable before most people because he actually built a parabolic dish to pick up showtime and hbo in the late 70s before you could actually get a a box from the cable company so i was very excited as a young man because i was watching like you know skin flicks on (laughs) cinemax and you know trying to tune it in and there's snow on it you know i'm going you know what's that you know parents coming in the room and i'm flipping it back to the mickey mouse club you know and crap like (laughs) that but (laughs) but anyway um so uh you know we um had these uh, vcrs uh, and it was on VHS. I first got a copy of Dune uh, back in the days when you rented videos. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, you'd actually go to the video store and you go, "Man, I sure hope they have a copy of Dune in." Not, you know, uh, of course now it's like, "Let me hit this button and Dune's on." You know, yep. And but back then it was like you really had to go hunting for stuff. And, yeah. You know, in in some ways it was nicer because. You know how it is now. It's like there's just too many options, almost, man. I mean, and uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I do prefer it to going out and going on the hunt. 
and paying more and all that. But um, it was it was just different, you know. But anyway, you know, so I got a copy of uh, uh, of the film, and man, I wore that tape out. I mean, I just watched the hell out of it, and um, so that that's kind of how that happened. And then not long after that, I, I thought, you know, I really want to try to read the books, and I read the first one. I was like, man, this is awesome. And uh, went on through, you know, the six, I think it was six main ones that uh, Frank Herbert had written. And of course, his son, I think, has done quite a few past that. You know, he's built mm-hmm. on a bunch of them. And okay. honestly, I haven't read a lot of those. You know, I I, um, uh, I think I might have started on one, but I'm not saying it sucks because, you know, I, I haven't read them. I don't want to say that, but I it just wasn't the same, you know? Right. I mean, I mean, it's sort of like when Tolkien's son took over and tried to continue that stuff, you know, is some of it might be pretty good, you know, and, but it's just not the same. Right. You know? <laughs> and no, I uh, what you're saying. Just, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, anyway, that, um, that happened. And um uh, and along with that, you know, I kind of developed uh, sort of a, an obsession about Lynch, just in terms of being a filmmaker and being weird. And, you know, and I was always kind of the weird or different dude, you know, right? You know, uh, you know, sort of, uh, oh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, Chip, you know, he's such a big guy. And I'm like 6'3", right? You know, and I was like 6'3 in 10th grade or whatever. Oh. And, you know. And so I was just being badgered constantly to play football and do sports. And, uh, and I was overweight as a kid, which got me into martial arts. Right. That was one of the things that got me, but you know, I mean, I'd be like fighting the coaches, like, look, I, I don't give a shit about football. I just don't care, you know, but you know, I was too busy, you know, listening to, <laughs> you know, I mean, all kinds of, you know, the cure and, uh, you know, uh, just, yeah, I was busy listening to a lot of stuff that people, most people my age were not listening. I was listening to a lot of the stuff they were listening to. I mean, I, I love Floyd and ACDC and Zep and all that stuff, you know, but I was listening to a lot of other stuff that, you know, like I couldn't really talk about too much with a lot of friends. Cause mm. they're kind of like, you know, why are you listening to that? You know, that's, you're not in the in crowd, you know? <laughs> don't you want to be a winner and listen to what we listen to you know, <laughs> you know and uh but um you know yeah my, my interests have always gotten into some really um different areas and, and that includes film tv shows dance martial arts certainly literature and um it's just where I am with stuff, you know, and um, I mean, I don't judge any of it, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like, you know, if you, if you took me to a football game or something, I'd be, I'd just be uh, bored, dying to get out of there. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's just not my, my deal, you know, and um, it's like the one sport that I actually can watch a little bit uh, and I'm entertained by is uh, soccer, you know european football but right but you know most of the rest of it i'm just i just don't get it man but but that's okay there's a lot of stuff i do and a lot of people are going i just don't get it man (laughs) (laughs) and it's okay you know that's it each their own that's it exactly yeah yeah that you know that's honestly that right there is is the 
for me, the best thing about getting older is you just really don't, for, or for me, I don't know about everybody else, but I just really don't care as much what people think about me, man. I'm just, I'm just glad to be who I am and I'm glad to be alive. There you go. You know, that's, that's good attitude. It really, it really is true. I mean, you know, and um, man, I heard a great thing uh, Christopher Walken had said in an interview um, a few weeks back. It, uh, I mean, I heard it a few weeks back. He may have said it a long time ago, but, but it was that uh, he was like, you know, if you knew how quickly people forgot you when you're when you're dead, you wouldn't spend any time trying to impress them. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, it's true, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. when you really think about it that way. I'm like, well, that's that's really right. But anyway, I, I hope I hope I answered sufficiently about Dune. I, I'm. Um, oh yeah, I, yeah. We're I gonna, don't want to drag on and on. Oh no, we're gonna keep this moving. So, what I want you to do for anyone that has not seen Dune, tell them a brief synopsis of what this thing is all about. Well, the uh, film of it. The film, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. The. The film of it as it stands, um, once again, you know, there are some other plots and subplots that are going on in the books that you just couldn't get everything on film with. But uh, Dune opens up with um, Paul Atreides, uh, played by Kyle MacLachlan in his first film role. He was actually, he was an actor in Washington, uh, Washington State, and he was actually chosen uh, out, of a, out of a cattle call. I'm a random audition by Lynch. And um, I mean, it's like talk about the biggest break you've ever had in your life, right? You know, so, you know, it's like, yeah, you've never been in a film before, but we want to put you in a $46 million movie, you know. And you're the, you're the star. Yeah. And you're the star. (laughs) Are you ready? You know, so, uh, but I I thought it was a great choice. I I thought he was great in it, but uh, yeah, with, with Paul Atreides, uh, you know, they are getting ready to move from, house atreides uh where they are on uh their planet and they're getting ready to move and and they're and it really the film doesn't explain a whole lot of that but you know in the books it's really about trying to unify the houses or try to it's more political and frank herbert was uh really big into meteorology and geology you know Mm -hmm. and that's why you get all these really rich um rich descriptions and uh differences between the terrains so you know when they finally do arrive on arrakis you know there isn't any water of course right and water is precious you know i mean it's probably more precious than than gold would be you know for where we are now you know in in our places and time you know and so everything revolves around that idea but it becomes very apparent uh, that Paul, who has been groomed meticulously by uh, Gurney Halleck, who was played uh, in the film by uh, Patrick Stewart, Ooh, yeah. you know, um, you know, our old uh, uh, Jean-Luc, you know, our friend, he, he's been groomed by him, among others, and uh, Thufur Hawat to uh, become, uh, you know, the next uh, leader you know, so they've been grooming him all his life. So um, he's tested in a number of ways uh, by not only, um, you know, the, his mentors, but also by the Bene Gesserit sisterhood, uh, who his mother has been part of for a long time. Um, 
played wonderfully, I thought, by Francesca Annis in the film. Francesca Annis was actually a very well-known British actress. She's still around, but she's a very well-known British actress in her own right. And just as a side note, for those who are into Shakespeare, if you can get a hold of the John Finch, Roman Polanski-directed 1971 version of Macbeth, hmm. one of my favorite Shakespeare on film films, uh, she plays Lady Macbeth in that oh, film. Wow, okay. And that is a very dark Macbeth. Uh, that <clears> film <throat> was done within a couple of years of... Uh, uh you know of, of the tate murders you know of, of right, Lance's yeah. wife being murdered and everything which it seemed like for a long time you know like when i was growing up everybody knew about that then it seemed like for a long time you talked to people they didn't know about it but after the tarantino film now everybody knows about it again <laughs> you know so it's really it's interesting how pop culture goes but anyway so uh yeah uh, paul is tested and then his father is uh assassinated and Paul flees because he, you know, thinks they're going to be next. And uh, he flees with his mother. He goes into the desert. He encounters the Fremen. The Fremen are, you know, I like to call them the hillbillies of Arrakis, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they're hanging out out in the desert, you know, living very frugally. They're all fighters. You know, they're scrapping for every piece, you know, all that kind of thing. Yep. And, um, but uh, uh, Paul was trained in a, in a uh, very um, powerful manner of sound, okay? And uh, so he basically teaches the Fremen how to do this and, and, you know, to use it as a weapon. And it's something that the emperor... Um, and the other factions that would seek to destroy House Atreides uh, have trouble combating. And it's because they don't have the technology. They don't have that technology. And so he teaches the Fremen that. And along the way, you know, he meets a, a, a Fremen woman who becomes his wife, uh, played by Sean Young. Yep. If you remember Sean Young. Yep. Uh, who will be forever remembered by the captain in Ace Ventura, yeah. who wound up being a man, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> or who wound up, uh, you know, uh, having some property down there. Yes. You know, <laughs> like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's essentially it. You know, he trains the Fremen. They go to battle. Uh, they wind up winning. And uh, along the way, you know, the um, Harkonnens, you know, Harkonnens are sort of like the sort of the space mafia of the thing. And um, Baron Harkonnen, it's funny, I, I thought, uh, you know, Baron Harkonnen was more grotesque in the film than he was in the books. Uh, Kenneth McMillan, uh, who was once again an awesome British actor, he played Harkonnen. And Sting as his nephew. Yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't expected that to yeah. pop up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah man we used to joke so much when i was young about you know uh just you know and here's i mean i really like staying a lot you know i mean i i, I listen to his music i dig it. i think he's great but um some of the acting was uh it wasn't that good you know <laughs> and uh and everybody knows it and he probably knows it too but anyway um 
yeah so you know they're out to do him in and of course you know he and sting have the duel at the end and and Kyle McLaughlin, Paul Atreides winds up killing him. That's the spoiler, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think I, did I, did I miss anything? I mean, I think, I think I pretty much, I think you got, I mean, there are a lot, there are a lot of other little details I could probably talk about. I mean, yeah, I'll tell you the, yeah. the guy that played the other nephew of uh, actually, here's an interesting tie in. You know, there's okay. always six, six degrees of stuff, right? Uh, yep. So the, the guy, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I think he was a Turkish actor, but he played the other nephew of Baron Harkonnen, the Beast Raban. Okay. And uh, that guy, uh, I want to say his name was Paul something. He wound up in a number of films and as, as kind of a character player, a heavy, you know. But if, uh, if you've never seen uh, the film of Midnight Express, okay. Midnight Express is an old Alan Parker movie from the late 70s that had Randy Quaid in it and uh, John Hurt, okay? And um, he played in that, the, the like Turkish officer who was torturing. Midnight Express was all about, um, you know, Brad Davis, the main character, was trying to, cross, you know, get on a plane, cross the border with hashish. And they caught him and they imprisoned him. You know, because in Turkey, that's almost a death sentence, you know. And uh, so anyway, he played this really evil officer in there, that guy. But uh, the six degrees I was talking about. You know, I mean, I hope this is the kind of nerdy geeking out you're looking for. On the hey, show. this is this is great. I, I, I hope, uh, you know, let me know if I go too far. Because wow. you, you've, you've shot the gun. I'm running the race. <laughs> I'm doing it, man. You know, no, but um, so the... You know, for me, like music and soundtracks sometimes make, like for me, they make films just a lot more, you know, a lot more memorable and impactful for me. So anyway, on Midnight Express, um, there was a very famous uh, techno guy in the 70s and 80s, uh, Giorgio Moroder. Giorgio Moroder was an Italian, but he did a really famous piece called The Chase, Okay. And the chase was the film music for Midnight Express. Okay. But it also happened to be the opening music for ICW Wrestling in the 80s. Yeah. Which, which is where I first encountered Leap and Lanny and, Ra and Randy Savage and all of them. That was the music they used. And uh, that, that uh, song was very popular in the discos. So Midnight Express was around 78 icw wrestling you're talking about the early 80s and they were using okay. that music because it was still very popular anyway that's the tie-in so aren't you excited man aren't yeah you excited? that's that's interesting stuff yeah. there and that's crazy <laughs> that this somebody tuning in was... like, what the fuck is this show i could have been watching matlock or something <laughs> yeah. no but, but uh Anyway, yeah, Midnight Express is a really uh, heavy movie. But the other thing I was going to say is regarding music, one of the things, and I didn't realize it when I was a kid. I didn't realize it at all. But one of the things that made it so powerful for me, that experience, uh, was um, not only the Toto soundtrack, which was awesome, okay, um, but the prophecy theme, the prophecy theme that that Brian Eno did for the film, and uh, and when I found out about that, 
I really started listening listen to a lot of Brian Eno. Right. And uh, T- Toto was on the radio anyway, because Ro- Rosanna and Africa were huge hits. Yeah, yeah. they were huge. <laughs> and uh, thing thing about Toto is, uh, you know, because like you have to understand in the '80s, man. You know, uh, MTV. You know, me being Gen X and MTV generation and all that. There was a lot of music that made it big on the radio directly as a result of having a video on mtv yeah and i think i think we should point out in case we have any younger listeners or viewers yes mtv used to play music so that's a big deal right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know they don't do that now but they used to yeah i haven't watched it in many years but yeah and um i think it was maybe 1981 80 or 81 it launched some i think 81 august of 81 is when it launched yeah but you know, there were videos that were being made prior to that, you know, that were airing on other things. I mean, like the Stones had a number of videos that had been on, you know, new in through in numerous venues and channels and stuff. Um, but MTV was like uh, a rocket launch for that, you know, I mean. Right, right. Yeah. So they were taking some of those older videos, you know, you might have like some Elton John and Kiki D, you know, some of the 70s stuff that they just had videos of. But then they started specifically making videos that were meant to be very, very, very popish, uh, and would catch on. And so, you know, you, and that's how a whole lot of artists got big. And the whole reason I even brought that up is because, you know, because of, of the video thing, you had a whole lot of artists whose, you know, music was great and hopefully they got a great video out of it. And then the video got tons of play and then it sold records and it also, people love the video and they all know the video like a good example of that would be like michael jackson and thriller right you know stuff like that you know or or, um uh i mean there were many bands that uh you know huey lewis you know i mean there were just a lot of good videos but then along with that you had a big percentage of those that got videos like they had a one-hit wonder yep and they did a video and maybe people knew the video and it was a good song but they really didn't do much more than the one song you know what i mean and then there were others that had like, you know, they probably knew somebody at MTV or their uncle was one of the directors <laughs> or something and they got a deal <laughs> and they went on there and you're like, man, what the shit is this? What, this is horrible. You know, God, you know, and, uh, and they got on there, but then they didn't last very long because they didn't have much talent or the band broke up or something like that. Right. Yeah. And then you had bands like Toto bands that had like, you know, one or two great videos and, if you went and bothered to listen to their albums, about 90% of that stuff was as good. Okay. They had really good music all the way through, you know, and a lot see a lot of people don't realize that because there were, there are some bands that are, you know, like a good example is come on Eileen, right? Dexy's midnight runners. Yep. One hit wonder. Yep. I remember I got that album, you know, and I was like, man, this is really a cool song and it's popular. Listen to the rest of the album. I was like, I don't know, man. It's not, you know, this wasn't that good, right? I didn't, I didn't think. I, I'll, qual- I'll qualify. You know, I didn't think. It was I know that song. I've never heard the whole album, so I couldn't tell you. Right? Yeah, you know, it just wasn't that good. But you had other bands, you know, like like a good another good example, Chicago. Chicago had a, a number of good videos in the eighties, uh, especially when you know um, they went. Uh, they they had some Chicago videos, but then when Peter Cetera went solo, he had a bunch of videos, and he did that uh you know i'm the man who'll fight for his honor song that was in karate kid 2 you know Mm. that got huge you know um, all that so 
but Chicago was a band that was very well established way before MTV was even thought of, right? And uh, they'd been cranking out awesome stuff, you know, 10, 15 years before that. So they had all this good material, but um, Toto, you know, they were known for those two songs. And really people didn't talk much more about the other stuff on their albums. Okay. And then they got them to do the soundtrack to Dune. And I personally thought that they should have gotten a lot more recognition for that. I mean, because that the soundtrack is bomb. I mean, a lot of times I'll just put the soundtrack on here. Okay. You know, while I'm working or something, you know, I mean, I still listen to it. Um, But aside from uh, them, Brian Eno did the prophecy theme, you know, where they actually go out in the desert and drinks the water of life. Oh, that was, that was the part I didn't talk about in, in, the uh, film synopsis was the the worms you know the, the yeah the the worms of dune which are uh, native to arrakis right um of course you know they'll they'll kill you you know they'll run you over they're huge you know there's they're monster worms but uh the bile from the newborn worms is what they call the water of life and it's the water of life that has to be imbibed in order for visions to happen. Now, I remember when Dune was written, right? Mid-60s. Okay. You take some stuff, you have visions. Yep. <laughs> I'll just leave it there, right? So <laughs> so anyway, uh, but you know, the, the Bene Gesserit sisterhood, they drink the water of life and they have the visions. As women, they are able to take in the water of life and do that, but it kills men. It kills men except for the promised one, the chosen one, the Kwisart Saderach, right? And uh, and whoever, you know, so however many men had tried to drink this and become the one, you know, the Messiah, you know, the, there can be only one Highlander, you know, right? And, uh, you know, that that is the one that uh, winds up, you know, seeing the whole explosive truth, you know? I mean, so much of that smacks of, you know, yeah dropping acid you know timothy leary having visions in the woods you know you know you think you're a mongoose or whatever and you know yeah so anyway i don't know i think i got off on a tangent there maybe or but oh you're good i'll pull it back in so this this is what i want to ask you now if you had been able to get a sequel back then let's not do it 37 years later let's say you got a sequel back then and like you said, I guess the movie covered the first three books. So would you have wanted to see the next three books put into a movie? I mean, how would you, would you, what would you have wanted to see? Yeah. you know, and I should, you know, cause probably some, some Dune nerd will watch this and go, you know, well, it wasn't just the first three books. Is he nuts? You know, I mean, it's, it's really more of an amalgam of a lot of, uh, you know, but the, the, sort of the central story of, Paul and uh, Paul Atreides and the family and all that it was sort of set down in the first uh, three you know like a Dune Messiah and Children of Dune you know that that has the central story in it but you know there could there might have been an element or here or there from the four or five and six books you know but um, what would I have liked to see well you know uh, you may be aware of this I don't know but um, uh, there I think it was in the late 90s um I think it was Italian television wound up doing a um, a longer production of Dune than the original theatrical film for television. 
and uh, and uh, they they tried to encompass more than what was in the original film. They had more time, you know. It was television. Uh, William Hurt was in it. Ooh, okay. uh, yeah, he, I, he was kind of the main name. I, for, I forget the name of the guy that played Paul Atreides. He was he might have been big in Europe or something, but I'd never heard of him. But uh, he um, they did that, and it was probably maybe two or three years later they put out uh, Children of Dune, oh, which wow, okay. was yeah the uh, the sequel to that. Um, that being said, uh, you know, for me there was a whole lot. Uh, it it just wasn't you know a an awesome production, you know. Okay. You know, um, you know, and, and when I say awesome, I'm talking about something I, I, I'm not bored with at all, you know? Right. Um, so I'm, I'm answering your question by saying, you know, with, with the sequel that they did, you know, 20 years ago or 25 or whatever it was, um, I, I didn't care for that too much. I mean, um, I just did, I didn't think it, I don't think it did the books justice is I guess what I should say. Um, what would I like to see? Yeah. What I what I personally would like to see is not so much a sequel, but a total and complete restoration of the original film. Okay, because that's that's what uh, like if you look at the original film, it comes in just under I think it's like two hours and seventeen or something like that. Yep. Uh, now yep. that's what they had cut it down to. That's what the studios cut it down to, and but you know Lynch had a much longer film initially. Okay. And um, uh, you know it could be one of your uh, viewers might correct me on something here, but it, it was somewhere in the late '90s, maybe, and it was probably around the time they were doing the television thing that uh, Ted Turner uh, recut the film. And I forget what length it wound up. It, I know it was over three hours, but, you know, it was much longer. And really? It, yeah, and it had uh, supposedly, like, uh, Lynch's notes, or I, I thought Lynch, you know, uh, kind of okayed it. I, I thought. I, I could be wrong about that. But I know that Ted Turner recut it. And then they aired it. But, you know, the thing is, and, and that's kind of what I meant by doing a, a full good restoration, you know, you would see like scenes that you were very familiar with from watching the original film, but then where they put in the old footage, they didn't really, uh, you know, color correct it and do all the stuff to match it. So, you know, if, if you had never seen any Dune before, you'd watch that longer version and go, you know, why is the film off there? <laughs> you know, why, why does it not right. match? What, what, you know, you know, once again, I'm talking about the, the look of it, the color, not the continuity or anything. You know, right. like, um, you know, there was a, you know, there, there was a, a, a space, a space gun right there. And now it's not on the table in it's next right. shot. I'm not talking about that. It's, it's, um, so anyway, um, and, and also the sound, the sound wasn't, uh, I mean, basically they just cut it together without doing any sound mixing or sweetening or anything like that. And it was very evident. Okay. Um, yeah. And I thought, um, you know, like David Lynch became very associated with that. And especially since the film bombed, you know, people forget that. Uh, and by bombed, I mean, it just didn't make its money back. It probably has at this point through video rentals and all that over years. But 
but uh, it bombed. Um, it didn't do that well. And I mean, it's one of the reasons Lynch kind of scaled back, you know, did like Blue Velvet. Two or three Ooh, yeah, Blue Velvet came after this. I haven't seen that one, but. It's messed up, man. It's, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've seen Eraserhead and I've seen a couple others, but yeah, but yeah, it'll change your life, man. Blue, uh, <laughs> I mean, once it's cheesy, you know, no. it's it's it's, but you know, it's. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's like cheese that's like <laughs> suck ass cheese, and then there's cheese that's like, man, I really want to keep watching this cheese. So yeah, I was yeah. I was just looking up. Because I knew that Dune's actually coming out on 4K very soon. The the new version, you mean? The, no, no, no. The David Lynch the original, Dune okay. is getting a 4K release from um, Arrow Video. Oh, I didn't know that. Label, cool. yeah. But looking at it, I'm not seeing a longer version. They have a bunch of documentaries and stuff like that, but I'm not seeing a longer version on there. So, yeah, the, um, yeah, I you know I have I haven't read about that. Or but it doesn't surprise me since they, you know, they filmed that newer Dune. And I, th I think it was actually due out during COVID. And they're probably holding off on it to release it so they get as much ticket sales as they can get, you know. But um, have you seen that at all, the trailer? Uh, I, don't, I don't watch trailers, but I know okay. that it's coming out. Yeah, I mean, well, and the trailer doesn't really tell you too much about it. But, you know, like it's got... Um, uh you know what's his name you know played uh, drax in a oh Guardians. dave batista uh, yeah it's got him in it there are a few other people in there that i you know you just recognize you know and and i'm really trying to reserve judgment because right you know like just being you know a dune nerd and everything i you know i just don't want to go in there going well this has got to suck you know it's not nearly as good as the original. It never will be, you know. Don't want to be that dude, you know. But. So it's due out October 1st. Does it say uh, what the running time on it is? Not yet. Doesn't, yeah. Not yet. But it's by uh, Dennis, I don't know how you say his name, Villanueva, who did like Blade Runner 2049, and that was a two and a half, almost three hour movie. So he's yeah. not afraid of a long movie, so. Hey man, you know, I'd, I'd love to see it, you know, and see what they do with it. Cause, um, see, I, you know, and I'm, I'm not totally certain about that story. Cause you know, I thought that like after they cut it and released it shorter that Lynch tried to disassociate himself from it. Um, and I thought he even, you know, like Alan Smithy, you know what I'm talking yep, about? Yep. Yeah. I think he, I thought he even tried to put Alan Smithy on there and just, uh, not even, but, but everybody knew he directed it, and so it kind of stuck. Um, that, that's my understanding uh, of it. But, I, uh, um, yeah, no, I'd be eager to see the newer version. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm always. Yeah, it's definitely got a, a lot of people. Like, your Batista guy you were talking about, he's playing that Beast Rabin that you were talking Beast about. Bon, yeah. Beast Rabin, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I figured it, he probably had to be playing that role because – He's just too buff to play Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but, you know, it could be an awesome version, man. I, you know. See, you, you know, I, I thought that I, I, it's like one of those things that I caught the tail end of, and I was like, did I really see that? And then I went back looking for it, and I couldn't find it. But I thought I saw where they were doing Foundation, like a film of Foundation, you know, Isaac Asimov, and – if they're doing that, man, I mean, that's like on the scale of Dune. 
Oh, okay. So that I'm not familiar with, so I do not know. Yeah, like, well, you know Asimov, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, do you, I mean, do you, do you get, are you into sci-fi pretty big or not super big? Okay. Not, not a lot. Well, you know, and do you, do you read a lot or is it just movies for you? Or I mean, I read, but I read, I tend to read towards the horror genre. Yeah. Well, um, if you are interested, Asimov was one of the most prolific writers ever. I mean, he wrote, I think, like over 500 books and oh, they wow. were across genre i mean he he wrote nonfiction. he wrote horror actually you know i have I had a little book uh of great little horror stories he did called uh, azazel which they're mm. really nice little quirky kind of clive barker-ish type stories you know oh, okay yeah and uh that was in the 80s but he yeah he wrote horror he but he did a lot of sci-fi i mean he was more known for his sci-fi and foundation was sort of like his uh you know, Fellowship of the Ring. I mean, yeah, see, like, when you brought up Tolkien, like, I know who he is, I know what he did, I know why he's important, but I've never read Lord of the Rings. I've never been able to get into the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> They're not really? for me. <laughs> no, man, it, it's it's like everybody's different, you know? I mean, yep. it's just, you know, I, I mean, yeah, there's some things. It's funny, because, I, I mean, I guess everybody's like that, you know, where, like, I'll try something, and, like, if, right away i'm like boy this is killer you know then i stick with it but sometimes i have to like i have to keep trying for a while and then it catches on okay like like i don't get it at first um uh you know like in theater uh like a like you know sam shepherd yeah i know know, yeah yeah like like sam shepherd was that way when when i first started reading sam shepherd plays uh you know whenever that was i i I really just didn't understand them at all. You know, I mean, it, it took me reading, like rereading, uh, you know, a uh, fool for love and a few others, like probably two, two to three times. And I'm like, I'm just not getting this, you know, what, what is it that everybody's going on about? And, and I, I really learned a valuable lesson with that. Cause I'm like, you know, chip, just cause you don't get it. Doesn't mean that it sucks. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, some things just need to simmer for a while and you get them and then other things like you know hitting you with a shovel upside the head you know yeah that's true all right so we've talked a little bit about the remake but let's say you got to remake this on your own who would you cast as obviously there's way too many characters to cast everyone but you definitely need to cast paul atreides man dude i I, uh No, you know, I've got it. You know, who I think would be a great Paul Atreides. Okay. He has, he has the acting chops uh, to make it really good. And he's probably still, he, he might be moving a little out of the age range at this point, is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Right? Yeah, I think he's a tremendous actor. I think he's, I don't know if I'd say he's underrated. I think people know he's a good actor. But, uh, but yeah, like if you haven't seen Prisoners, Okay, so the guy who directed Dune, the new Dune, directed Prisoners. Directed Prisoners, you know yeah. That. Right, Villanova, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Prisoners. Um, and uh, the other Night- one that really stood out for me, yeah, Nightcrawler. Were you Nightcrawler, yep. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah, I watched that, and I was like, damn, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think he's fantastic. and um, But I think he would be great because he, he looks the part, too. Okay. You know, he, yeah. he looks the part. Duke Leto, mm, not sure about I'd say Russell Crowe, but he's looking pretty rough these days, man. You know, 
I like yeah. Russell Crowe. Maybe he could get into the shape for it, though. You know, these actors, they'll do stuff to get into the role. Like, he, yeah. looked, he definitely looked roughed and un, unhinged the last movie I saw him in. when I was thinking about it. I was like, but, man. But I think he did that for the role, though, I think. I don't he, think okay. he, that's just his normal look. I think he was going for a certain look for that character. Well, we, my wife and I watched that, and then, you know, first 10 minutes, we're like, is that Russell Crowe? Like, <laughs> it doesn't look like a beautiful mind here, man. What the hell's going on? You know. So, um, yeah, then that was a pretty dark movie. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. The um, Paul's mother. Uh, it, regarding the Benny Jesuit sisterhood, and um, you know um, the, um, you know uh, his uh, Paul's mother's mentor or mentoress or whatever. Um, I think uh, Tilda. Tilda Swinton. Swinton. Yeah, I think she would really rock that role out. The uh, sting role, you need a really sort of good asshole for that because, I mean, you just need somebody who's a real real ratty douche, you know? Yeah, I think Jason Momoa is playing him in the remake. Playing the sting role? I think that's who they got. What's the sting's name? Was his name Duncan? I cannot remember. No, no, Duncan was... uh, Duncan was uh, Paul's good friend who got killed okay. during the war. Okay, yeah. I know you're talking about then. Yeah, Duncan Idaho. Yeah, that's that, who that Jason Momoa was playing then, my bad. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because Jason Momoa's fade uh, would be... Well, number one, I don't think people would want to see Jason Momoa be like an evil dude who gets killed anyway. Because there's too many women, you know, swooning over Aquaman and all that stuff. It <laughs> would be a good, you know uh you know move on but no and you know uh, another interesting deal the guy that played duncan idaho in uh the original um and i'm trying to remember his name he he was a tremendous actor but i I think he he died pretty young of like a a brain tumor if i remember right Mm. um and uh but he was really a good actor and he was in um you remember those two huge Civil War movies from the 90s, like Gettysburg and um, uh, Gods and Generals? You remember those? By name only. I remember seeing the titles, but I've never watched them. Yeah, he, he was in, I want to say Gettysburg, and, and he was great in that. He, he was really a good actor, man. I mean, that was really a shame. But but he, he played, I forgot all about Duncan Idaho, but he played Duncan Idaho in that. And uh, Oh, and you know who else I forgot about who, who I absolutely adore as an actor? Uh, is a uh, Brad Dorif. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah it was uh, fun seeing him pop up. Oh, uh, he's, I, I love his, his stuff. I mean, he's just, um, I saw where he, um, he was doing a, I can't remember if it was a Pinter play or something, but he was doing it with uh, Amanda Plummer, you know, Christopher okay. Plummer's daughter. Yeah. It was in Fisher King among, oh, and she was in Pulp Fiction. You know, she was the, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and the, the diner scene. She's with Tim Roth exactly. in the diner scene. Yeah, yeah. So, but he's been in so many good movies. Brad Dorif has man. Uh, oh, and, and and he was in Blue Velvet. You know, yeah. When you watch Blue Velvet, yeah, dude, I, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say after. Watching. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just well, it's, it's funny because you know it's like I've seen I've you know I've 
it's a long time since I saw it for the first time. Is what I'm trying to say. Right. But I'm always interested to see, you know, what's this person going to think about this, man? Because when I first saw this movie, it was fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's kind of how it always is going into a Lynch film for the first time because you don't know what you're going to (laughs) get. Dude, it it is. You know, um, I you know, and it's it's weird because I I just love the quirk. You know, I, I don't know why. A lot of people can't stomach it. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, after Blue Velvet, uh, Wild at Heart came out. I loved Wild at Heart. Um, I, I thought uh, Willem Dafoe in that, playing Bobby Peru, was one of the sickest roles I've ever seen. But that movie just kind of, you know, just went away. You don't hear about it anymore. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that one just because I love a good Nick Cage performance. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and it was it was kind of like Nicolas Cage before he got super crazy and big, you know. I mean, he was big, but he wasn't like Con Air big, you know, and right. Face Off big and all that. And, um, but yeah, you know, all of those films, uh, you know, Lost Highway. Um, I watched and- some of that one, but I think I was way too young and I was like, I don't know what the hell is going on. So I'm going to look forward to revisiting that one. <laughs> well, you know, here, here's the thing, like, you know, whenever films get reviewed, um, and uh, I, I, you're, some of your viewers might know this, I don't know, but, you know, you got to understand that when films get reviewed, half the time, critics have an agenda with it, right? Whether it's they know some people on it. It used to be, you know, that, uh, you know, you'd have a guy standing outside paying the critics, you know, to say something good about the film. Now, critics would never tell you that. They'd never right. admit it. Right. But it's really true. And, you know, you'd like to think that people really well known as critics like Roger Ebert before he died, you know, wouldn't do that. Who knows? I don't know. The thing is, you know, it's like um, when critics do that, you know, if they said like, say, for instance, a critic said, man, Lost Highway, this movie was just terrific. It had so many good points and everything. They would probably get slammed because not, you know, not many critics agree with that. So there's kind of this like communal agreement a lot of times with okay. criticism. And I mean, in school, that's what I did a lot of, you know, uh, my undergrad was in English and film and it was very thick with criticism, you know? So, um, and, and I got bored with it very quickly because I, I don't want to talk about, you know, I don't want to critique films like, you know, this film bad, this film good, you know, right. I don't want to <laughs> do that. You know, I want to look at films and say, well, why, why did that one have the impact it did? And a lot of times they have an impact on you and you don't know why they have an impact. To me, those are the most exciting ones. And a lot of Lynch's stuff, like The Lost Highway is a great example. You watch a film like that and you're watching it and you're going, man, my mind is trying so hard to wrap around what's going on here and I just don't understand it. But for some reason, I feel like very unbalanced and unsettled. (laughs) Like there's something that feels off and it's putting me in an awkward position. So when that happens, you know, with a movie or a piece of art or whatever, it's like you have a choice. You know, you can either say like, well, I don't feel comfortable. I'm going over here and looking at this, you know, you know, you can do that or you can kind of just chill for a minute, you know, yep. and just breathe into it and, and see what happens. You know, maybe we'll go somewhere new. And to me, that's always the most exciting stuff. Um, but I, I saw Lost Highway in the theater. Uh, I, I remember that's how I learned about Rammstein was from Lost Highway. You know, because they, they, you know, Rammstein had a couple of songs in Lost Highway. And, and I remember going out of there going, man, that, that fucking rocked. What was that song? You know, and then I went and looked at the soundtrack and I was like, Rammstein, never heard of them. 
I've been, I mean, I'm going to see Ramstein next year, man. I, you know, I can't wait, you know. Oh, there you uh, go. So, <laughs> yeah, man, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's like unsettling stuff. Mulholland Drive was that way. Another and one it, that at the age I saw it, I was like, I couldn't, I just, I need, I, I can't wait to watch these again now, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, it's, it's just like, you know, why is it that we always need the same thing? You know, we all know the old, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the pattern, right. You know, the, you know, story must have beginning, middle and end, and it's got to absolutely has to, you know, crescendo here and then decrescendo and then a big crescendo and then, you know, and then we end on a good note and everybody goes home and has dinner, you know, and it's like, that's great. I like that, you know, but I don't necessarily want that all the time. Right. You know, you know, it's kind of like Indian food, you know, I don't want it all the time, but when I want it, I really want it, you know? Yep. So, but, but I think that's really where Lynch kind of lives. Um, you know, do you listen to a lot of music? Eh, not as much. Yeah. Man, there, if you're listening to some stuff and, and, uh, you know, being like a, a horror guy, you, you might like this. I don't know, but there's a guy, uh, Scott Walker. Okay. And a lot, and nobody knows him anymore you know but he was as big as the beatles in the 60s oh wow uh, in, okay. in england yeah he was huge uh, he was with a band called the walker brothers and if you listen to a lot of that older music you know some of it's pretty good but then there's a lot of cheese going on because that was you know there was just cheese going on back then you know but then as his career goes along you know he gets less and less and less pop and he starts losing followers all the little teeny boppers that loved him back in the 60s you know and he was a heartthrob and all this they just kind of drop off the planet and then he starts getting more and more avant-garde okay. until like the the last four or five albums he did are like so like you know dense and mm. dark yeah it's like man shit this is the same guy you know right and um seeing to me that's like the really fascinating stuff you know not, not not some dude who's singing like you know teeny bopper songs in the 50s and he's still doing it 50 years later it's kind of like yeah i'd say for a for a mainstream reference to that it was kind of mind-blowing for me when i found out man for man the guy who did do i did he is the same guy who does blinded by the light later on right, like, right. when i found that yeah. out i was like oh this is the same person oh yeah yeah same group i couldn't yeah I couldn't believe man, it. manford man's earth band yeah yeah, they did. Yeah, they did covers too, man. Remember, they did a cover of a uh, Demolition Man, uh, which was a huge hit for. Um, or actually, you know, someone they made a, they may have written uh, Demolition Man. I, I can't remember, but Grace Jones, uh, you remember Grace Jones? Yep. Yeah, she she made Demolition Man. That was a huge hit for her. It was a cover. Okay. Uh, but it, it, that was a huge hit in the '80s for her, and the video of it's really cool, man. If you ever get a chance to check that out but anyway sorry man i'm kind of diverting oh, you you're good, the music you're good. Here, but, so but. all right we're gonna pull it back on track this is what i want you to do <laughs> for anyone who maybe doesn't want to watch a david lynch fan maybe someone's not a big sci-fi fan i want you to sell them on why they should take a chance on this dude this version because the new one's coming out some people will take a chance on that but why should they go back and watch the original dude well you know man i i don't know I, it's why should they do it I don't know. Why do we do anything? I, you know, I, <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm always a little, 
suspicious of you know like yeah man you really need to check this out you know but what, when you say that to people it's kind of like you know you're sort of saying you need to like what i like or whatever I'm sort of a big believer that people will dig and dig and find what they like, or they'll just do nothing and they won't go anywhere, you know? But sometimes Um, you enjoy stuff that, you know, your friend never heard of and you want them to discover it with you. Not just that you want them like, but you want them to take a chance. Sure. I mean, all I can do is speak from my own point of view, you know, and say that like Dune had a huge impact on me. It's a very entertaining film. Uh, You know, if you watched it by today's, mentality and the way we live today you're probably gonna have some laughs especially with some of the performances you know it's to be enjoyed i mean it's entertainment probably dune is the most light and entertaining of lynch's films you know like dune is a film that you know you could probably take uh, you know a woman on a date with right but i'm not gonna take any woman to a racer head <laughs> or elephant man you know I can tell you right now, she's going to be like, well, I think I'm done for the night. Take me home. You know, they, they killed him at the end, you bastard. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, or, uh, you know, taking some woman to like, you know, you know, Lost Highway. I mean, or, or one of those, it's like, you know, but anyway, it's, uh, yeah, you know, wh- why should they do it? You know, because, because it's enjoyable. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, you and I are film nerds, right? So, so, you know, we're pretty much willing to try anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, you know, me being my age, I have what's called a 10-minute rule, which means that in the first 10 minutes, if it's sucking, then I, a lot of times I'll turn it off. And, there, and the reason I do that is because life's short and there's about 200 other movies waiting, you know. But uh, That's true. But, you know, that doesn't mean you don't try to watch it. Uh, for a lot of people, they probably just don't care to go back and watch older movies. You know, they don't love movies the way you and I do, you know, for sci-fi fans, you know, if you're going to say, Hey, I'm into sci-fi really big reading or film, uh, to me, there's just no excuse not to watch Dune. Right. Yeah. Dune would be a staple of that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, there's that reason if you are like, you know, I'm a sci-fi buff or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the fun of it. I mean, I mean, Dune is fun. That's, that's the thing. A lot of Lynch's films are not fun. You know, he, he wants you to feel unsettled. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's a really common thread. You know, in a lot of in a lot of Dune, there is unsettling stuff too. Like there's nothing pleasant about Baron Harkonnen picking no. boils off his face. No. no. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, so there's there's some like gross out stuff in there and all that, but but uh, not quite like a racer head. Uh, you know, the tone is different. The the other thing about most of the other films is is there isn't as much of a uh, uh well no that's actually not true i was gonna say there isn't as much of a hero story but really there is in in blue velvet and wild at heart so you know i couldn't really say that and and and, uh honestly elephant man is a really big hero story i mean that's you know the dude just living with uh you know the way he had to live i mean i don't know if i could do it you know so it's i don't know i hope that's a good answer man for you i I, you know (laughs) So look, everybody out there, just take a chance on Dune. Uh, it's streaming on HBO Max. If you're yeah. a physical media nut, it's coming out on 4K from Arrow Blu-ray, so I checked that out. There's like three or four different versions you can buy. So depending on the amount of special features, I think they got steel books. They got all kinds of stuff, so it's definitely worth checking out. Hey, man, are, are you okay uh, talking horror for a little bit? All right, what do you want to talk? 
Yeah. I mean, uh, are you, um, well, I was just interested. You said you're big into horror. Uh, like what, what is, uh, you know, what, what do you like a lot with that? Is it See my Jason pillow? I'm, I'm a slasher guy. Your slasher dude. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like my favorite is probably the exorcist. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so by the, time your episode's out i should have an exorcist episode out i've already recorded it so it should be out so oh cool yeah but, so you kind of like the uh sort of traditional uh, uh sort of uh terror slasher that's what i grew up on i mean recently i love hereditary i love midsommar so er, 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 everything ari aster's put out so far he's only done two movies but i love them both mm-hmm. and they're not slasher at all so Dude, I, I tell you, earlier tonight, I, um, you know, I was telling you about on Criterion, they flush out a lot of movies. Right. And so they'll, what they'll do is they'll batch them all that they're getting rid of and they'll say leaving on the 30th, right? Right. So I try to hit those before they leave. I wound up watching this British film tonight and you would probably dig it. It's called a kill list. Kill list. Yeah. And- I have heard about that for a few years and I have not taking that plunge yet on and and it uh it it's kind of a mixture of horror and sort of psychological stuff but it it was really what's that it was different man i mean that's that's ben wheatley right ben wheatley yeah it was Mm -hmm. i don't think i've seen any of his other films but if they're like that i'll probably be checking them out because i mean what what was nice was it wasn't just uh blood and guts you know kind of you know um point a camera on it i mean he really kind of had uh sort of a, a the the point of view of the camera and the way the the main character was thinking you could tell was off you know like he he was psychologically impaired okay you know, the guy you know yeah. and so you think that what you're seeing is what is actually happening but a lot right. of it is in his Not- mind and stuff you know and, but you don't know what's what. Right, right. You get you know? the classic <laughs> it, unreliable narrator. Yeah, and it, and it all gets jumbled together. But but then the end of it had this sort of, um, I don't even know what, I mean, if you like Midsummer, uh, you'd probably dig it. But, but it, it had, um, it was almost an homage to Wicker Man. Okay. Right. You know, the end of, you know. Yeah. It had, had, it had this very pagan thing at the end. But yeah, that was one of those movies. Like I, I wasn't expecting it to do that, you know. See, I love it when it's like that. You know, you just put a movie on, like, well, let's see what happens, you know. And then by the end of it, you're like, damn, like what happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I didn't think that was coming. You know. Yeah, that's that's and, a good uh, feeling there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, but yeah. Well, and what was funny too? <laughs> I was at the store and they had this like a, a two for ten chicken thing going on, you know. And so I bought this chicken. And <laughs> I'm sitting there eating chicken during it, and I'm like. Oh, <laughs> like, like, like I'm gonna lose it, you know. But yeah. Uh, anyway, if you get it, no, it's me. it's one that's on my watch list. But yeah, I've heard about it for a few years, and I just haven't watched it. Now, do do you uh, do you like doing all the old classics too? You know, um, some some I yeah. have like yeah, like the old Universal classics I like. Mm-hmm. the 60s like the hammer style style yeah. i have really haven't really been able to get into it's like i've tried a couple and it's just not for me i guess well some of those are so dated man you know i mean they're um 
is is that why they don't work too well for you just because they feel dated or um cheesy yeah a little bit yeah yeah hammer has has its own thing going on yeah maybe have you ever um have you heard of this film the changeling yeah i I own that on blu-ray yeah the george c scott movie yeah yeah that's one of my favorite old school horror deals yeah uh, that that's just a straight up good ghost story there yeah 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 and the the original haunting that that holds up too that's pretty creepy Yep. Um, I like I like the original haunting. I like the original House on Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. I don't like everything Vincent Price though. I've noticed. I've been trying to watch more Vincent Price, and I don't like all of his stuff like I thought I would. Well, you know the truth is there. You know, yeah, he he just he kind of there in the '60s, especially just got into a lot of grade B cheese. Yeah, you know, and. um uh, you know, some of that was his association with Roger Corman, you know, because Roger Corman was doing his Poe cycle in the 60s. And so right. for me, the finest film that came out of that was the uh, the Pit and the Pendulum version. that I, was in. I remember seeing that on DVD a lot, but I never watched it. Yeah, that, that was probably the best one. But, you know, they tried to do a bunch of others. And um, and they had, you know, who actually who was in one of those early on was Jack Nicholson. He was in... Um, uh, twice told tales oh okay yeah i think i think it was twice told. It, it was early corman because corman really kind of if he hadn't put nicholson into that you know probably nicholson wouldn't have gotten into easy rider and a bunch of other stuff that springboarded him into later stuff like the shining and, right. and all that. yeah but uh but yeah Cor- corman has has i think he's still living i think he's almost 100 but he, he's just had a huge influence people don't even realize yeah he corman was just on the uh the last drive-in with joe bob joe bob briggs oh, yeah yeah um, oh man i didn't weekend. know joe bob briggs was still doing Is oh it... yeah shutter brought it back if you don't the the horror streaming service shutter yeah they have the last drive-in that was the season finale but it'll be back oh cool man so yeah, I yeah, suggest you sign up for Shutter then, because they got about three or four seasons on there, and they do it just like the old days where they have body counts and kill counts. And oh man, I might, I might, uh, I might do that. You know, yeah, my uh, I, I've put BritBox on uh, Amazon Prime, and I've been watching some stuff on that, but it's getting to the point where I'm like, you know, how many <laughs> Agatha Christie stuff deals can you watch? You know, I mean, they're great, but but yeah, so I, I might, I might check that out, man. Yeah, I'm just I'm always interested to hear what you know, what uh, other people are are checking out, you know, because yeah, because I, I just don't know. I'm just always interested, but yeah, you know, and find the thing is for me, like it's not it's I'm just finding really good stuff. It's so trial and error. You know? Yeah. Did did you uh, go to uh, Quiet Place Two? No. Did Did you like the first one? I thought it was okay. I don't think it was as good as everyone else makes it out to be. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the second one was. I thought it was good. Yeah, and and I like them. You know, I wouldn't say it's like uh, you know life changing. You know, like you know Silence of the Lambs worthy or something. You know, but see, there you go, my favorite <laughs> movie. Oh yeah, yeah. That's my that's my number one. So is it? Yeah, uh, probably for horror. That's probably mine too. Actually. That's it's hard to beat that, man. Um, oh, that's my number one overall, like my favorite movie of all time, Sons of the Lamb. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Did, did you ever check out uh, Manhunter? Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You talked about Lord of the Rings earlier. I'm going to tell you a story. My mom was in the store when, uh, as probably 2001. It was the year first Lord of the Rings was coming out at that December. But this was early in the year. And my mom went to the store to get me something. She was in the horror aisle. And she started talking to this guy. And he, he recommended Manhunter, which I'm glad he did because I had never heard of it at that point. But he's like, man, if he's into this, your son, tell him he's going to be excited. Lord of the Rings is coming out this year. I'm like, Those, they don't go together. Because I like Manhunter does not mean I'm going to like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that is a weird, uh, <laughs> that is kind of a weird association. Cause, yeah, yeah, I've never forgotten yeah. that story. That, that you know, Like Hannibal Lecter and Frodo. I mean, that, 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 <laughs> doesn't, that doesn't really work, man. You know. Yeah. All right, Chip, we're going to wrap this one up. We can talk off this. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Man, uh, thank you so much for having me on, Josh. Um, I I hope it was what you were looking for. Oh, yeah, it was fun. So tell everyone where they can find you online. If you got a YouTube channel. Yeah, you can find uh, Chip Sebastian. uh, You know, if you want to email me about anything, it's just Chip Sebastian at Hotmail. Uh, I've got an Instagram thing, Chip Sebastian. Facebook, Chip Sebastian. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, I'll have my website up pretty soon. One thing that I didn't mention that I have been doing a lot more of since uh, COVID is my, um, my booth here, if you can see it, this ah, is a okay. voice booth. And so I've been doing a lot of, uh, commercials and starting to do more audiobooks and things like that. So, uh, I'll have a website up soon that will have that as well as other things on it, but the short film, um, once again, it may change names by the time it finally gets out, but right now it's called Per Annum, and uh, and I star in it along with Fred Ziegler and um, Don Samandel directing it. But it, it's especially if you like uh, serial killer horror type stuff, you know, uh, it's going to be a tight twelve to thirteen minute film. Okay, yeah. So it's a short, and uh, and so it's gonna, it's you know, it'll be coming out really soon, but. Uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me on the show and I uh, hope you'll let me do it again sometime. And yeah, and talk, you know, next time we can talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> All right. As always, you guys can follow the show. We're at YNF Movie Pod on Twitter, Instagram. You can watch this video on YouTube. Check us out wherever you get your podcast. If you're going on Apple, leave that coveted five star review if you like what we're doing here. Be sure to come back next week. I'll have a new movie, new guest, and who knows, that may become your next favorite movie. You guys take care. I'll talk to you next time.